Welcome to Many Messages. I'm Brother James, and this is Holy Week. Good Friday. So Good Friday is filled with events. From the Last Supper to his burial, Jesus' last day as a breathing human is filled with so many great events. If we lay everything out, we are able to quickly explore what all took place on this uh, on the first Good Friday. So let's look at, we have First Watch, which is um, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Thursday night. It is called First Watch. It's when the Jewish day actually begins is at 6 p.m. at night. So during that time, we see Jesus enjoys the Last Supper with his disciples. Jesus leaves early to betray Jesus to Jewish authorities. The Holy Sacrament is laid out by Jesus for the disciples to continue when he's gone. And they finish up with singing and dancing. From 9 p.m. to midnight is called Second Watch. And then third watch is from midnight to 3 a.m. And it's during one or both of these times that it's probably through both of these times that we see Jesus leads his disciples um, out to the Mount of Olives so that they can rest and pray. It's also here that we see Jesus points out that they're going to run away uh, before the night is over and he predicts Peter's denial. All the stuff we talked about yesterday. But what we also see is during this time, is probably during the third watch, that we see Jesus prays on the mount. And we turn to scripture in uh, Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 41. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane, that is a hard word. Okay, Jesus came to them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told the disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little further, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as my I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, So couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the weak is flesh. So he continues this pattern for the remainder of the of the watch. And um Matthew 26, 42 through 46, he says, Again a second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drank it, your will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. After leaving them, he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the time is near. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go. See, my betrayer is near. 
So Jesus spent most of the night, most of the third watch especially, in prayer. Even in the end of his time on earth, he sought his Father's will. He didn't try and do it all on his own. I mean, he is the Son of God, but he still turned to his Father in this time. So we also must be willing to seek God's will at all times and in any trial. We, we have, to, have to be willing to turn to this. And Jesus set that example for us that it's okay to tell God that you don't want to do what he's calling you to do. But at the same point, surrender yourself over to his will, just like Jesus did. He said, not, not my will, Lord, but yours. That's such a powerful statement that Jesus was saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to die. I don't, I don't want to have to go through all this. But if this is your will, Lord, then let me do it. And so that brings us into the next part of the story of Good Friday into the last watch, which it goes from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. And this is all on Friday morning. And it says Jesus has spent, and when we look at it, we see that Jesus had spent about six hours discussing his death with his disciples and praying for God's will to be accomplished. And now is the time when his betrayal is going to take place and be fulfilled. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 47 through 50, we see it says, While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. A large mob with swords and clubs was with him from the chief priest and the elders of the people. His betrayer had given them a sign. The one I kiss, he's the one, arrest him. So he went right up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Friend, Jesus asked him, why have you come? Then they came up, took hold of Jesus, and arrested him. So Judas has arrived with a mob and betrayed Jesus with a kiss. But even in that moment, Jesus still refers to Judas as friends. Friend. So sometimes those that are closest to us are going to be the ones that hurt us the most. But like Jesus... We must always seek God's grace and forgiveness in those situations. And there's no mention ever of Jesus condemning Judas for his betrayal. But Judas will suffer guilt for what he had done. That's very powerful to me that, that Jesus still referred to Judas as friend, even though Judas had just betrayed him. And knowing full well that Jesus is going to try and, I mean, Jesus is going to die on this cross for everyone's sins. So the forgiveness aspect is there. But it's up to Judas to accept it or not. But Judas doesn't accept it. And that's the saddest part about this story. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 through 5, it says, Then G Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was full of remorse and returned thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood, he said. What's that to us, they said. See to it yourself. So he threw the silver into the sanctuary and departed. 
Then he went and hanged himself. So Judas let the guilt and the remorse grow beyond his own control. And his reaction in, is an unfortunate one that many people make even today, is that instead of seeking forgiveness, he carried his guilt by himself. And that, that's what a lot of us do. And we let the guilt take control. And in Judas's case, he hung himself at the end of it. And that's a pretty sad thing to, to think about is that we allow our own guilt and remorse take so much hold of us that we think that it's in our hands and we have to do something about it ourselves. And it could have went completely different. When we look at the story of Peter in Matthew chapter 26, 69 through 75, it says, Now Peter was sitting outside in the in the courtyard. A servant approached him, and she said, You are with Jesus the Galilean too. But he denied it in front of everybody. Denied it in front of everybody. I don't know what you're talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another woman saw him and told those who were there, This man was with Jesus the Nazarene. And again he denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing were approaching and said to Peter, You certainly are one of them, since even your accent gives you away. Then he started to curse and to swear with an oath. I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster's crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So while Jesus was standing before the Sanhedrin, Peter was trying to get as close as possible to hear what was going on. It was then that he is recognized by a variety of people and denies knowing Jesus. And three times he does this and says that he doesn't know Jesus. Then the rooster crows and he remembers what Jesus had told him about him doing that very thing, that he would deny Jesus three times before the rooster crows. Like Judas, Peter had betrayed Jesus. His betrayal may not seem as bad as Judas's, but even denial of Jesus is a horrible thing for his followers, even today. If we look at Matthew 10, verses 32 through 33, it's, uh, it says... Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. So Peter probably remembers those words also, because Peter was there for that lesson. And so he remembers those words, and he reacts in a very different way than Judas did. Because we see that Peter went out and wept bitterly. Instead of keeping all the grief inside, he let it out. He would also later find forgiveness. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, says that when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. 
Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. So see, Peter had turned back to Christ and was commissioned with a new task. So whenever you find yourself in that position of denial, remember Peter, not Judas. Remember to that it's okay to be sorrowful about what you've done, to remorse for what you've done, but don't let it build up inside of you and take control. Let it out and then turn back to Christ. And remember that He loves you and that He loves you more than you could possibly ever love Him, but that if you still love Him, seek that forgiveness and find that commission that He has for you. Don't, don't do like Judas and hold on to that guilt and hold on to that remorse to the point where it consumes you to where you don't think there's any other way out. And so we continue on through uh, Friday and we get into the first hour, which is from about 6 a.m. to about the third hour, which is 9 a.m. And what we find during this time is that Jesus is paraded back and forth between the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, and Pilate. One false accusation after another is made until Pilate makes an attempt to appeal to the crowd. He offers them the choice between freeing Judas or a murderous rebel, or between freeing Jesus, I'm sorry, or a murderous rebel named Barabbas. And the crowd chooses Barabbas. And that may seem crazy at times, but we are like the crowd. And we often choose worldly and sinful rebellion over Jesus. But still, just like with Barabbas, Jesus will stand silently right there in our place for judgment. As long as we continue to turn toward him. As long as we accept him as our intercessor, as our savior. And we have to constantly repent of those sins and those rebellions. Or we don't know anything about what Barabbas did after he was set free. But Jesus stands in our place nonetheless. And so continuing on in the third hour until the ninth hour which is the six-hour period that we all know about for Good Friday. Because for six long hours, Jesus is beaten, scourged, and crucified. He is stripped. He is hung between two thieves. He is mocked. And during all of it, he prays for the forgiveness of every person around him. One of the thieves joins in the mocking while the other begs for forgiveness. And we see this in Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. It says, Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, Don't you even fear God since you are going to undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we are getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. 
Then he said to Jesus, or then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. So in any situation, at any time, you can seek after Jesus, and he will be faithful to forgive you. That's such a blessing, is that even in the midst of our darkest time, even when we seem like all hope is lost, Jesus stands there to forgive us. And we've got to remember that and be ready to hand everything over to him for that. And about halfway through the crucifixion, things begin to change all around everyone, though. Because for three hours, the sky was gray and the environment was different than ever before. So, in Matthew 27, verses 45 through 50, it says, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness come over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, fixed it on a reed, and offered him a drink. But the rest said, Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Jesus shouted again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. So at three in the afternoon, Jesus died. And he did it for you and for me. He died. And in his conversation with Nicodemus, we see why he died. In John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, Jesus tells Nicodemus, For God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only Son, that so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life for god did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him and anyone who believes in him is not condemned but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of god so at three o'clock in the afternoon Jesus died so that we might live eternally in heaven with him. But that's not the end of the story. Not by a long shot. Because from the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m., to the beginning of the Sabbath, which is 6 p.m. Friday night, a lot has to take place. So after his death, Jesus was removed from the cross. And now the race was on for his followers that were there to get him buried before the Sabbath because he, they, they saw it as unholy to leave his body hanging up during the Sabbath. He, he had to be buried, dressed, buried, and ready to be put in a grave by 6 o'clock. And this is where a Pharisee named Joseph of Arimathea comes in and he petitions for the body, is able to claim the body, and he had a brand new tomb that was dug out, never been used, and he gave it for the body of Jesus. 
that's Good Friday, is that Jesus went through this trial. He went through pain and suffering, embarrassment, being the intercessor for a criminal's life, offering forgiveness to another criminal, agonizing pain on the cross, dying for you and for me, and buried in an unused tomb, just as prophecy had predicted. And that is such a powerful and meaningful message. And I look forward to sharing the last two days with you, starting tomorrow on the Sabbath, when everybody else is at rest. I want you to take this message with you and understand what Jesus did for you on this Friday after Passover, before the Sabbath, on the day of preparation. It's the day the Jews take to prepare for the Sabbath, to prepare for rest. Jesus paid a price for you and me. And I look forward to tomorrow's message. I can't wait to get with you on it. I hope y'all have a blessed day. Goodbye. If you've enjoyed this content, please visit my website, www.brotherjamesparty.com to view and listen to more content that I've been able to put out. You can also subscribe to the website there and receive updates as new material comes out. And also, you can either go to patreon.com slash brotherjamesparty or you can click the Patreon button at the bottom of the welcome page and you would be helping me out into bringing you further, better, more in-depth content. I would greatly appreciate it. Love you guys. Thanks so much.